Isaiah 61. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all think I don't even know where the Old Testament is. Ha, 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 ha. But I do. All right, because I have a smartphone. Okay. And that makes me a smart aleck. All right? So, uh, uh, praise the Lord. Not really. But my phone is sharp, but I actually know where Isaiah is. So, here we go. Verse 1, Isaiah 61, verse 1. Remember this week, these uh, next several weeks, last week we ministered on the hopeless today. It's the hurting. They're filling our pews. Whether they're lost or born again, they're in this house right now. People who are hurting from the affairs of life. And uh, God wants us to be responsive and to minister in a powerful way. Can you say amen? Isaiah 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Father, thank you right now for the goodness of God. Thank you for the word that's alive and powerful. Give unto us the spirit of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of you. Let our eyes be open to see truth. Let our ears hear truth. But more importantly, Father, let our hearts receive and begin to do truth. I thank you, Lord, that as we do the word of God, the manifold blessing of your word will be upon our lives and we will prosper and have success in every area of life. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agreed with that said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Today I want to continue our sermon series on ministering to the hopeless, the hurting, and the hungry. Last week as we discussed, we talked about the hopeless. And so we want to look and focus in on today on people who are hurting, all right? And uh, we have hurting people all around us as well as among us. Do you know that your neighborhood is filled with people who have broken lives, broken dreams, broken promises, people who have been hurt by somebody else, people who've been hurt by circumstances. Maybe their, their hurt is caused by the loss or, of, a, of a broken relationship, or it's caused by the death of a loved one. You know, there are so many reasons and so many ways for people to be hurt. Maybe they've been offended. I know that, you know, a lot of times when people are offended, they've chose the way of offense, but nonetheless, it's still real. Can you say amen? And so our churches are full of people who are putting smiles on the outside while on the inside, they're hurting from what life is dealing them and oftentimes feel like nobody cares or that God is anywhere to be found. And they, they're truly needing God to move in their lives, but they're not quite sure that God is hearing them. Remember last week we gave you this scripture in 1 Peter 3.12. I want to hit it one more time. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. If anybody in this house is righteous, shout yes. yes. His ears are open to their prayers. Whose prayers? The prayers of the righteous. That's you. But notice what, the face of the Lord is against what? Those who do evil. He's not against us. He's not against anyone who is his child. 
just like you're not against your kids. Oh, I know there's some times your kids will frustrate you, do some things that you're not real proud of, but listen, you still love them. God loves you when you blow it. God loves you when you don't blow it. Listen, the love of God never changes. And so we need to be available. Notice God's eyes are on the righteous at all times because when you're born again, it makes you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, imagine you just learned that your body is battling a life-threatening disease. How many of you know that is a shocker? And life as you know it will change forever as you try to comprehend everything happening inside you. And you know, how many of you have found out that a lot of times when people are hurting, we just don't know what to say. How many of y'all have ever been there? If you have, let me see your hand. Listen to me, you're just like the rest of us, and I'll be honest with you, the best thing to do is say nothing, all right? And when I say that, I don't mean literally don't respond to that person and run from them. No, what I mean is go to them, console them, and, and let them know that the Lord will be with them and that he's, he's operating in their lives, but, but be careful of cliches. All right. You know, sometimes when people move through life and they're hurt, they hear things like this. You're a good person. You don't deserve this. Listen to me. It's not about being good or bad. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. The sun rises both on the just and the unjust. Are you listening to me? So it's not about how good you are. How many of you know your salvation is not based on your goodness? It's based on the goodness of God. Woo. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm in him. Glory to God. Or imagine you've experienced a great loss and your heart aches with grief. The pain is overwhelming like anything you've ever known. And in an attempt to comfort you, someone says, this will turn out for your good. Listen, we need to be careful about what we say to people who are hurting. Sometimes we cause more hurt. I tell you, the worst thing that we can ever do to people who are hurting is to just ignore them. You cannot ignore. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, don't ignore you can't ignore people. Jesus died for people. Do you believe that? See, these are real statements that we've heard from well-meaning people in response to suffering. People ask me all the time, Pastor, what do you say when you go to the funeral home? As little as possible. I know that shocks some of you. But you know what? People would rather look in the back and see us sitting there, the ministry, see us sitting there. They'd rather see you come in the door, hug their neck and tell them you're praying for them and that, that will be sufficient because there's nothing you and I can say that is going to lift that burden at that moment. But the Bible does say that we need to share one another's burdens. As believers in Jesus, we're charged to walk alongside each other in our pain. And we're called to mourn with those who mourn. You remember that what it says in, in uh, 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 Romans 12, 15? It says mourn with those. But look at this. Galatians 6, 2 says we're to bear. Everybody say bear. That means to help. To get underneath. We're to bear one another's burdens. Now listen, it doesn't mean that you take that burden from them. Only the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. Only the Lord can take burdens. Can you say amen to that? But it says we care and we want to minister to people in such a fashion that they understand that. We're, we're to be compassionate, gentle, and patient with each other. Read about it in Ephesians 4.2. Read about it in 1 Peter 3.8. These are the characteristics. Compassion. Listen, where is your compassion when people hurt? That's the thing. 
When you've heard that a neighbor's gotten a bad report, do you respond compassionately? Or do you hope they don't see you across the hedges? It's important that we understand that God is with us and God will empower us. The Bible talks about Jesus. Sometimes in our efforts to reach out to a suffering friend, we unwittingly hurt that very one we want to help. And we might hurt them by what we say, and other times we hurt them by doing nothing and saying nothing at all. Listen to me. I, I read this quote. It's from Jared uh, Pingleton. And it, it's, he said this, it's imperative that we strive to embrace the brokenhearted, emancipate those in captivity, and enlighten those in darkness. We must confront what I call the unholy trifecta of silence, shame, and stigma that exists in many quarters of the church surrounding hurting people. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people who've suffered the tragedy of divorce didn't want to be divorced, but perhaps their spouse chose another way or ex-spouse, I should say. And so they find themselves in the place of divorce. And I can't tell you how many times people say, it's like I'm wearing scarlet letters on my head. And listen to me, saints, that I'll not be in the church. This ought to be the safest place for people to come. This ought to be a refuge for people. A refuge where people can receive the goodness of God. Silence can be uncomfortable. <laughs> How many of y'all have found that out? How many of y'all have ever gotten on the elevator <laughs> and stared at the numbers? Let me ask you a question. Did it get there any faster? No, we get into something and we, we just, silence is hard on people. So we try to fill it and end up using some cliche that sounds good, but ends up adding more wounds to those who are already pierced in life. Maybe the, the suffering of our loved one is experiencing, uh, that, that, that a loved one is experiencing threatens our view of God. Have you ever had that? It threatens your view of God. Listen to me. You don't have to have your view of God threatened. You just need to stick with the word, but you need, to be, you need to be gracious and compassionate when ministering to people. Sometimes a friend or loved one suffers in a way that we don't understand, and it's, it's, something we, we've not, uh, it's not something we've experienced, so we think we have nothing to offer them. But I tell you right now, if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you have something to offer, and that thing that you offer is called hope. You're a dispenser of hope. Perhaps their pain frightens us. And so we avoid trying to be around him. How many of y'all have ever heard of a man in the Bible named Job? If you've ever heard of Job or Job, say yes. I, I literally had a guy not long ago. He told me, he said, hey, is that book Job? Is that about how to get a job? I said, no, but you might want to read about Job because he ended up with a job. All right. But how many of you know that Job did not choose the path that came his way. In fact, if you go back and read, it talks about the greatness of our God and the hedge of protection that we have around him. I don't know about y'all that he has around us, but I don't know about y'all, but I want to stay in that hedge. But even Job, you know, the Bible talks about in that encounter, three of Job's buddies who ended up not being buddies at all. But did you know that for the first 10 days when all this became on Job when he lost his family, he lost all of his farm, he lost everything that was going on in his life. Do you know those three guys came and sat with Job for about 10 days without saying a word? It was the best thing they could ever do. 
just their presence, being there with Job. It wasn't until they opened their mouth that they began to offend. Isn't that amazing? See, many pressing human needs are never adequately addressed and others are ignored altogether. And this is the church where people are supposed to come for answers. People need the yoke-destroying power of the Lord. How many of y'all believe that? How many of y'all believe in the power of God? That's why I read this scripture this morning. Look at this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what Jesus said. Because the Lord has anointed me. Listen, Jesus was anointed. Now he's appointed us and anointed us to be able to do what he did. And he said he sent me to bring good news. Let me ask you a question. Are you bringing good news to the hurting? The good news is God will be with him and bring them out the other side. He sent us to bring the good news to the oppressed. Those are people that are hurt. To bind up broken hearts. We got people sitting in our pews, in our seats all across the world that are broken by life. And they're waiting for God to show up. And you and I are the mouthpiece, the feet and the hands of God. As discouraging and overwhelming as life can be, we need to recognize the struggles around us as potential growth opportunities, as well as potential um, presentations, redemptive ministry presentations. There's nothing better than being able to tell somebody that there is hope for them. This morning, I want to talk to you about three ways. I want to talk to you about how to love hurting people in three loving ways, just because the title sounded good, all right? So I want to talk to you about that this morning. So let me give you number one, number one. And I'm going to give you some scripture to go along with these, so get ready, because we're, we're going to have to move quickly. Number one, demonstrate compassion. And listen, another way of saying that is this is love as empathy. See, when we demonstrate compassion, we show we care. We must care enough about hurting people and broken relationships to speak the truth in love about our concerns. I've noticed that you're hurting. I've noticed that something's going on. I just want you to know I've been praying for you. Stop! You're good. Can you say amen? See, we must care enough about hurting people and broken relationships to speak this truth and love about our concerns. And listen, Jesus used what he saw to motivate himself, to motivate with compassion, and he ministered. Listen to this in Psalm 103, verse 13. Look at this. As a father pities his children. Uh, hey, I, I, want you to, I want you to change that. Can you put up the NIV? It sounds a lot clearer in the NIV. In the NIV, it says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the, uh, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Notice that. As a father has compassion. That word pity literally in the Hebrew means compassion. But as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Everybody say the Lord. Listen, God is moved. He's touched by the affections, by your, your infirmities. Listen to this in Matthew 9, 36, again in the NIV, Matthew 9, 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. Everybody say compassion. Come on, say it like you mean it. He had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. They were hurting and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Listen, the root of this word compassion, you know, means with deep feeling. That's what compassion is. Compassion is where we have empathy. That's deep feeling for what's going on. We feel for what's happening in people's lives and we feel the spirit of God wanting us to minister in such a way that it brings hope to people. Jesus was moved with compassion and healed everyone who was sick. It's amazing what happened. Compassion is what fed the crowd. Everybody say compassion. That is having a deep feeling for what's going on. When we minister with deep feeling, listen, when you minister with compassion, you put your heart into what's going on. It's not robotic. Oh, they're hurt. Let's go over and pray. Listen, that's not how Jesus operated. He operated with compassion. He cared about the people he encountered. He cared about the people he touched. This is important. People walk in and out of our doors every day. Well, how about two days, all right? And then every day at home, you're encountering people on the job. You're encountering people in the grocery store. I tell you stories all the time about people I hear about in the store and I take time to stop and pray and minister. Listen, you've gotta care about humanity or else, listen, if you don't care about humanity, saints, you need to get dipped again in the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus cares about people. He ransomed us. His blood. And it's important that we understand that. I know that we're all taxed with time. I know that we're all busy. I'm busy. But listen to me. We can't be too busy to, to do what needs to be done. Just to stop and tell somebody we care. Show interest in their life. It speaks volumes, especially about the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? It's important. It's important. The people that sit around you every week are people you should be caring about. We're creatures of habit. Jesus' empathy and compassion motivated many of his miraculous healings. And similarly, when empathy moves us, we can minister to the hurting and broken in a powerful and effective way because God will flow through us. How many of y'all have ever been around somebody you know is is having an issue and they're having a, a hurt in their life and all of a sudden a scripture quickens to your mind? Let me see your hands. That's your helper, the Holy Spirit. He's bringing to your remembrance And listen to me, don't try to start in on on a great, uh, you know, theological debate about that scripture and try to break it down, you know, breaking down words. Listen, they don't need to know what the Greek and Hebrew says. Are you with me? They just need to know that God cares and that you care. And as you minister God through that compassionate way, it will cause the blessing of the Lord to be on people's lives. So demonstrate compassion. Number two, we got to have some good counseling. Listen, this is simply love as discipleship. Now I'm going to give you some scriptures right here and I I want you to see what I'm talking about. Listen to me. I'm not talking about you being a PhD counselor. I'm talking about us listening to the spirit of God and counseling according to the word and not the world. Now watch. Here we go. 
Proverbs eleven fourteen. Proverbs eleven fourteen. I'll wait on you. There we go. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there is no counsel, notice this. The people what? Fall. But in the multitude of what? Counselors. There's a scripture that talks about a man named Jonathan who was related to David, not Jonathan, his armor bearer and his friend, but he was related to David. And it says that this man that was related to David named Jonathan was a great counselor because, listen to me, he simply had good insight. Think about that for a minute. Our insight needs to come from the Word of God. Look at this verse, Proverbs 15, 22. Proverbs 15, 22. Notice what this says. Plans fail for a lack of what? Counsel. You know what? We're putting together some plans and, and we're going to remodel this house and we're going to do some work around here. Listen to me. And our plans are not going to fail. Why? Because we're taking time to bathe them in prayer. We're, we're seeking people to help us who can give us knowledge so that we can make the right decisions with the most informed or the most informed decision based upon the right information. But notice what it says, but with many advisors, they succeed. It's important that we understand. Now listen, people in the church want to throw the baby and the bathwater out. We can't afford to do this. You know, I, I, I meant to bring in some statistics this morning. I, I left them on my, um, uh, on my uh, copier at the house. And I, I was going to share with you some statistics about the numbers of people who are leave, leading broken lives just right here in the United States of America broken by trauma, things that have happened in their life. I mean, they're broken by bad decisions or bad environments, I should say, bad environments, broken because of the fall that's happened to all of us. I mean, there's, there was like five different things, but it had some categories with some stats that were absolutely staggering. I could not believe what I was reading. Look at this in Romans 15:1. This is where I want to get to. Romans 15.1. We need to go to Romans instead of Proverbs if you can, bud. <laughs> Listen to what it says, Romans 15.1. We who are strong. Everybody say, I am strong in the Lord. Ought to bear with the uh, failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. What is that scripture talking about? It's easy for you to see somebody hurting and go on about your own business to accomplish your own schedule, to accomplish your own doings. But it takes time to stop and minister to people. When we exercise good insight to help people, we're eradicating shame. See, when we reach out to people through compassion, we remove the silence. Here we're taking care of the shame. Shame might be the deepest and most painful emotion humans experience. Guilt is, is the, the feeling that you get when you feel bad about what one has done. But shame is the feeling that comes uh, because feel, you have a bad feeling of who you really are. Shame penetrates to the very core of what it means for us to be vulnerable, fallen humanity causing us to hide what it means to be lonely, humiliated, and afraid. I can't tell you how many people that have gone through divorce have told me this. 
I can't tell you how many people have been through bankruptcy. Tell me this. They feel the shame of these things. Listen to me. The shame is us not helping them to know that there's going to be help to take them down the road. That's why a loving relationship with someone who is trusted and has good insight. It's therapeutic for that person to be able to disclose our shame with a person who's non-judgmental. Did you get that? Everybody say non-judgmental. Who competently listens, supports, and guides them through the humiliation and the pain of the problem. And how do we get that wisdom? By the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. Let me give you number three. Number three says we need courage. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you need courage. Listen, this is simply love in action. That's all it is. It's love as an action. Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, everybody say rather, serve one another humbly in love. Notice that. Listen to this in 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. <coughs> Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not reply or do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Notice that. We need boldness in both attitude and action. It takes a courageous servant's heart to intervene in a crisis situation with marginalized, disadvantaged, or overburdened people. But you listen to me. When we actively love people in their stress and distress, it eradicates their stigma and helps them get back on their feet so that the Lord can move them forward. Listen to this verse in 1 John 3.16. Listen to this on the screen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possession, sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love. Now listen to this. Let us not love with words or speech, but how? Action and in truth. Action and in truth. Acting courageously to care for hurting people and relationships in the face of their stigmatizing conditions, activates and demonstrates the love of Christ to them. It stimulates it in us, it demonstrates it to them. And this will liberate and empower hurting people to heal, grow and become all that Christ has designed them to be. Saints, I want to tell you something right now. Jesus was very emphatic about this. It starts in Matthew 25, beginning in verse number 36, runs down to about verse number 34. He talked about, I was naked and you clothed me. I was in jail and you came to see me. I was hungry and you fed me. He just lists those things. And then he takes the other side of the coin. And you listen to me close today. He takes the other side of the coin and he says, and to all of those who saw me naked and gave me no clothes, who saw me hungry and did not feed me, who saw me in jail and did not come to me. In other words, listen to me. You didn't have the compassion needed. There's not going to be a good reward for that. I was sitting in a 
restaurant the other day in the booth behind me, a couple of guys were having a conversation. I was waiting for someone to show up. And the one guy was talking and he said to the other guy, he said, man, I tell you what, I, it, it's terrible out here. All these people got all these problems. And the guy said, you don't have any? And he said, no, I don't have any problems. He said, okay. He said, well, what are you doing to help them? He said, what do you mean? He said, well, what are you doing? He said, well, I tell them where they can go and get some help or I'll, I'll tell them to do this or do that. He said, yeah, but do you come alongside and help them? He said, no, that's not my gift, brother. I, man, I tell you what, the hair on the back of my neck was standing. I wanted to turn around and snatch that dude up like it was the rapture. Wouldn't that have been funny? Just snatch him right up out of that booth. And then dropped him, said, hop, you didn't make it, you know? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on, man. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And that guy finally, he looked at him, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, you want to know the truth? And he said, yeah, what's the truth? He said, the truth is you're a stumbling block in the body of Christ. And I was like, shoo, I want, I then I want to speak in tongues, give a message, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. Tell him like it is. Listen to me. We, we're not all going to the jail, but we ought to support those who do. And we ought to care. Got a neighbor or got somebody you know that's had somebody in jail, you've got to be compassionate. Reach out to those who, who are not incarcerated as well as to the one who is. We can't all feed everybody. Can you say amen? amen. But we can help. We give to our outreach center. And, and listen, I, I don't know. I, there's a lot of times I go places, I look for somebody. I want to bless them. I see somebody looks in need. I, I'll just, you know, tell the waiter or waitress. Or if I see somebody outside, you see them staring inside, you know, and, and they're looking a little rough on the outside. Saw a guy the other day. He's carrying his bags and everything. And uh, I said, hey, I just coming out of... Uh, 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 one of the restaurants there, it's fast food, all right? I won't say where. I don't endorse it, all right? So uh, anyway, but, but it was good. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I, I said, he was just standing there looking. I said, hey, buddy, you hungry? He said, I sure am. I said, what do you want? And he told me. I said, you wait right here. I went back in there and got it, brought it out, gave it to him. He said, thank you. I said, hey, where are you going? He said, I got to go to the bus station. I said, get in my car. I take you over to the bus station. Carried him down Jefferson, dropped him off the bus station. I didn't have a lot of money. I said, you got any money? He said, well, I got a couple of dollars. I think I had a $10 bill in my pocket. I just handed it to him. I said, look, I want you to know something. He started getting out of the car. I said, wait, you can't get out. And he just kind of looked at me real funny, you know, like, what? Well. I said, I want to pray for you. Tears. He looked at me. This is what he said. He said, I used to be in the house of God. But I was offended. And now my life's in the gutter. To which I replied to him, I got good news for you. Because you've just run into a guy who's going to put you back in good standing with the Father. So I led him in the sinner's prayer to be rededicated. And I prayed for him. He got out. 
mood changed on his face, went inside. I don't know where he is or what he's doing. You know what? It doesn't matter. What mattered was at the moment he was in front. So saints, let me ask you. When you hear and see people hurting, how are you responding? 